You're listening to McKinsey's Future of America podcast, featuring conversations inspired by a new era of sustainable and inclusive growth. Welcome to Episode 8 of McKinsey's Future of America podcast, where we explore how we can build a future that drives sustainable and inclusive growth. Join us in conversation with leaders who are accelerating progress to grow, broaden, and sustain prosperity for more Americans. I'm your host for today, Quaylen Ellingrud. I'm a McKinsey Global Institute director and a senior partner based in Minneapolis. Today, I'm joined by Lata Reddy of Prudential Financial. She's a senior vice president for inclusive solutions at Prudential and chair of the Prudential Foundation. Lata helps position the company to promote inclusive economic opportunity and sustainable growth. Lata, welcome, and thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Lata, tell me a little bit more about your role at Prudential. I have the privilege of leading an organization within Prudential that leverages its expertise and resources with the expertise and resources that reside across all of Prudential. And so we are able to bring an outside, inside view to the work of uh, our company. And that means that we can bring insights around customers who traditionally have been underserved by financial services institutions. We can help understand what emerging markets are experiencing and what they need. And those markets may be people, they may be geographies. And because of the set of partners that we invest in on the ground, we're able to share those learnings with our colleagues who can then use that to inform the products and the solutions that we are going to market with. And all of that is in an effort to make sure that we are sharing the needs of a broader group of stakeholders every day. Lata, you've had so many different chapters of your career, a civil rights attorney, so many other roles. How have you chosen or steered your career over time? For me, as it is for many people, certainly in my line of work, uh, it's personal. And I began my career as a civil rights attorney because of the experiences I had uh, growing up. And, you know, I'm the child of immigrants from India. Uh, Both of my parents came to this country to pursue a better life for their family. Uh, a classic immigrant tale. And I saw within one generation what access to opportunities meant for my family. Both of my sets of grandparents uh, came from very limited means. And because of access to education, access to a quality job, uh, and frankly, access to benefits, my family within one generation is exponentially better off than we would have been. What have been some of your favorite roles across your career? You know, all of them taught me something different, but I think the role I have now is the culmination of the other roles. And so it brings together all the different experiences I've had uh, in uh, one place on a very large platform. Having said that, I will say that there's a pivotal experience during my time in law school when I had the incredible privilege of working for a lawyer by the name of Brian Stevenson. And many people know Brian from his memoir, Just Mercy, and from his uh, work generally. But I learned so much about what it means to recognize our shared humanity, what it means to, again, have access to opportunity, uh, and what it means when you don't. And that was a life-changing experience for me. Across these different roles, across the sectors, you've had a lot of exposure to growth and inclusion. And we're talking today about sustainable and inclusive growth. What does that mean to you? 
To me, fundamentally, inclusive growth is about uh, creating agency within people's lives so that people have the ability to make the best decisions for themselves and their family. And, you know, that's all people. And again, it is uh, that they have the ability, which means people need the tools and the resources and the access uh, to opportunity. But fundamentally, it's about uh, being able to decide for yourself. Tell us a little bit more about your role at Prudential and how you've used the power of capital markets to drive financial and social mobility. I have the privilege of leading an organization within Prudential that is focused on working across our businesses with our various leaders to enable Prudential to lead as a driver of inclusive growth. And we have a somewhat unique mix of businesses that enable us to address people's financial needs at various stages of their life cycle. And so we combine the resources that my team actively manages, uh, which include our philanthropy, impact investing, our DEI expertise, along with the expertise that resides across Prudential to really embed a way of thinking within the company so that we can go to market more inclusively. And when you think about the state of social mobility more broadly across the U.S., where are we today? Unfortunately, we are, uh, we're backsliding. And we've seen from research and Raj Chetty's research in particular that people who were born in the 1940s had a 90% chance of earning more than their parents. And people born now have a 50% chance. And so that's a pretty staggering statistic. And we know that that sits on another statistic, which is, or the, you know, reality that people's, uh, destiny is often defined by the geography. That brings us to kind of place-based approaches to better equity. What have you done in this space of place-based work? So we've done a lot. Uh, Prudential was founded and remains headquartered in Newark, New Jersey. So uh, it is our hometown and a place that we hold dear. And so we have learned in the crucible of Newark and try to do right by our colleagues, our citizens in the city and do everything we can to create a more equitable system. What are some of the initiatives that have been most successful? I think the work we've done with intermediary organizations are things that we would point to as uh, showing evidence of success and places where we can continue to build. And so, for example, we have been deeply invested in the issue of public safety in the city of Newark and helped create and maintain a collaborative, the Newark Public Safety Collaborative, where institutions across the city have come together to create a more community or more integrated public safety system that is uh, integrated with the community, that democratizes access to data, that empowers and supports community-based organizations to implement their own strategies related to public safety. And so, uh, you know, it's that notion of aggregating and having a collective view on what success looks like, making deep investments in the organizations that can drive that success and remaining at the table with other stakeholders to ensure that we push it forward. And given your unique experience across all the various sectors, what role do you think each of those sectors can play in the solution? I think that's the beauty of uh, and the importance of cross-sector collaboration is that we all do bring such unique skill sets. And so when you think about the philanthropic or the corporate sectors, we have the ability to convene. We can bring people to the table. The city and the universities have data. 
and the data is so critical as we're making decisions. And, you know, so others bring that type of research expertise and uh, community expertise, right? The lived experience of uh, how these issues play out on the ground every day. So I think, again, it's important to bring all these different stakeholders together to really mine that expertise and make sure you get to the best possible solutions. And as we hopefully emerge from COVID, what kind of place-based markers are you looking at to assess if we are truly getting out of this in an equitable and hopefully quick way? Well, there are a few things that we are very focused on. One is access to quality jobs. And so how do you open up more pathways to quality jobs for local residents, in our case, uh, Newark, but other cities around the country and around the world where we're engaged? And quality jobs is defined by jobs that have career growth opportunities and robust benefits, where we're really connecting work and wealth in a way that it used to be, but no longer is. We are very focused on access to capital and and access to financial services. And so how do we invest in the small business ecosystem, particularly those owned by people of color? who are employing a large number of local residents in these local economies and and driving the local economies. So how do we ensure that they have the capital, the technical assistance and access to customers that they need to thrive? And then also, speaking of thriving, creating thriving neighborhoods and making sure that these cities are rich with amenities, with cultural amenities, with safe green spaces and high quality educational systems. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, dig into your experiences across sustainable and inclusive growth in a bit more detail. We're back from our break. Lata, you're deeply committed to addressing inequalities and promoting sustainable and inclusive growth in Prudential's home of Newark. Tell us a bit more about your role and your work there. I had the privilege of coming into the middle of a story. Uh, Prudential, as I mentioned, was founded uh, and remains headquartered in Newark. And we were founded there almost 150 years ago. And our history of deep engagement in the city uh, began about 50 years ago. And we have not looked back since. And so I'm just carrying on a proud tradition uh, of engagement in the issues uh, of the city. I want to dig in deeper to Prudential's work and your broader work in the city. What are you focused on? So those initiatives have changed over time. And when we first began doing this work, it was really about rebuilding the infrastructure of the city and building a civil society. And this was following the civil unrest in the summer of 1967. Other companies chose to leave the city. We decided to stay and made an affirmative decision to be part of the rebuilding. So our first tranche of work was around that. We then moved to helping to build capacity and pilot uh, new initiatives that we thought would have the impact uh, that we were seeking. We then took some of those initiatives that were having positive impact and began to scale them. And so now we're at an interesting moment as we are coming out of the impacts of COVID-19 and the setbacks that cities like Newark faced as a result of the pandemic and embarking on yet another sort of phase of this work. And as COVID unfolded in Newark, what were some of the biggest shifts and challenges that you saw? start with the uh, assets that Newark brings to the table. It is an incredible city. It has five universities and seven hospitals and a port and uh, transportation and logistics you know, hub. So it's an asset-rich place. 
And prior to the pandemic or the onset of the pandemic, the city was on a trajectory to make a step change in terms of the economic activity and the amenities that were coming to the city and the access that was available to residents of the city, most importantly. Obviously, the pandemic was a huge setback in terms of the health impacts and the economic impacts that uh, it created. And so we uh, and other stakeholders in the city have been doing a lot of work on really understanding what those impacts were and devising strategies to not only mitigate and come out of that, but really to, um, again, create a faster trajectory to the vitality that we want to see. What did other stakeholder groups do? You've talked a lot about kind of collaboration in bringing solutions to Newark. What did businesses, government, local nonprofits, how did they all react? So I would say prior to uh, the pandemic, Newark is a highly collaborative city. There were uh, leaders who come together on a regular basis. We had, we founded the Newark Anchor Collaborative where anchor institutions, and by the way, we broadened the definition of anchor institutions beyond the typical eds and meds to include large corporate entities and large nonprofits that fit the classic definition. And These entities have been partnering and collaborating and co-creating for many years uh, alongside the city. And throughout COVID, that collaboration continued, albeit from afar, as those of us who were fortunate enough to uh, be able to work from home were doing so. And that meant that uh, it took a different form of collaboration, but continued nonetheless. And now that people are returning to the physical workplace, uh, we continue to invest our time and our money. And, you know, it takes this form of collaborating on our purchasing power and pooling funds so that we can procure goods and services from local Newark businesses to help them grow. It is collaborating on job training programs and hiring people from these training programs so that residents have access to quality jobs within our own institutions within the city and things like that. That cross-sector collaboration is so impressive. Let's focus on the private sector for a moment. And Prudential has committed over $1 billion to promote economic and social opportunity across Newark. That is a staggering number, $1 billion. Tell us, how is that funded? How do you invest that in impact? So that money is... uh is Prudential's balance sheet money, and it takes the form of two different, I'd say, tranches. One is through our philanthropic efforts, and the other is through impact investing. And so that enables us to invest in both people in place. And on the people side of it, we have invested in education. Uh, We've invested, and that is ensuring that everybody has access to high-quality education by supporting a portfolio of options. So traditional district public schools and charter schools and independent schools. We have provided funding for youth development programs to ensure that young people have access to educational opportunities as well as uh, job opportunities when the time comes. We have invested in umbrella organizations that are working on business attraction and economic development. And then on the physical side, we have invested in various infrastructure Projects, So redeveloping large assets in the city that had been dark for many, many years. And so bringing them back to life, creating affordable housing options and retail amenities and uh, opening up green spaces as well. 
Lata, one of the things that I've seen organizations really struggle with is how to measure impact. And some of the outcomes that you're aiming for take years, if not decades, to come to fruition. How do you think about measuring impact effectively? What's worked and what hasn't? For us, it's been, well, for everybody, it's complicated. And I think because we have different resources that we're bringing to the table that have can have a different type of impact, we are measuring multiple things. And so for us, ultimately, success looks like that notion of agency. And along the way, there are milestones that we are looking to see. And so, for example, in the education space, we made heavy investments in early childhood education about a decade ago to ensure that by the fourth grade, students were reading at grade level. And we are seeing the results of that now in terms of increased graduation rates and persistency into and through college. And so, Those are the kinds of milestones and markers that we're looking at where we know that people's lives can go off track. So making sure that we are um, understanding and investing in those places. You were appointed to lead the Economic Recovery Committee that Newark Mayor Baraka named and appointed you, uh, and it was called the Reopening and Recovery Strike Force. Tell us a bit about that experience. It was a wonderfully collaborative uh, and engaging experience, and I was honored to uh, serve in that role. The mayor was uh, very clear that he wanted to bring together a cross-section of stakeholders to bring their diverse experiences and expertise to the table to create the best solutions in terms of how we bring the city out of COVID and into the future and the next iteration of what living in Newark means. And so... You know, it was an opportunity, again, to really think through what some of the critical issues of that moment were, as well as plan for the future and the rebuilding of uh, the city's economy. And what a wonderful way to think about Prudential's impact, but collaborating for greater impact as well. We're going to take a quick break before our rapid fire Q&A. We're back from our break and talking to Lata Reddy. Lata, thank you for sharing your insights with us today. I've been inspired by the boldness of your commitment and the long-term focus on making a difference for residents of Newark, New Jersey. We're wrapping up each of our Future of America episodes with the rapid fire Q&A. Lata, is there a book or an article that you've read recently that excites you about a more sustainable and inclusive future? This is going to sound very uh, nerdy, but... I recently rediscovered when I was back in my physical office, uh, a book that we at Prudential published a few years ago, well, many years ago, called The Power of a Story. And the reason it's important is because it chronicled our history. And Prudential was founded on the principle of equity and opening up markets to those who've been shut out. And so it was a wonderful reminder uh, in this particular moment of the opportunity that exists for companies like Prudential to drive inclusive growth. Wonderful. I'll have to pick that one up. What makes you optimistic that we can achieve more sustainable and inclusive growth? In this moment, the fact that so many more people are getting, as Brian Stevens says, proximate to the issues of inequality. And we haven't seen this before, I think, in our lifetime. And so it gives me some hope that with a better understanding of the issues and the structural barriers that have created the inequities we see, that we'll be better uh, positioned to solve them. What's one thing that listeners can do today to promote more sustainable and inclusive growth? Frequent local diverse-owned businesses. Spend your money where it matters. Love it. Lata, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Thank you so much for having me. That was Lata Reddy. 
Senior Vice President of Inclusive Solutions at Prudential Financial and Chair of the Prudential Foundation. I'm your host, Quaylen Ellingrud. You have been listening to McKinsey's Future of America podcast series. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Future of America podcast. We're thrilled you're joining us as we explore the journey toward a more sustainable and inclusive and growing economy. Be sure to subscribe to the Future of America podcast on whichever platform you use and check out our insights and research on these topics at mckinsey.com slash future of America. Thanks for being a part of the Future of America.